scripture that says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him could have life and have eternal life. And I love what that video ends with. It says it wasn't nails to head Jesus on the cross. It was love. And, and I'm firmly convinced that no matter what is happening in the world or in your life, love is the strongest force that exists. And it's the one thing that can change anything. No matter whether your heart is full of pain or hurt or loss or whatever, love can actually cure it. And a loss or a, or a, um, a lack of love just leaves us with that emptiness inside that nothing else is ever, ever going to fix. The scripture also tells us that it was, Jesus said it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. So he had, to, he had pain. He had lots of pain. cross wasn't a pleasant experience. We all wear crosses on our necks or we don't, I don't actually, but, but most of us do or, or maybe even on a lapel or we have a cross in a church and we see crosses everywhere and we don't really realize what they are. They were, they were instruments of torture. If the CIA had have invented these things, I'll tell you, they'd have been using them in Afghanistan or somewhere. I mean, these were torture weapons. Absolutely. Waterboarding hadn't got a, a patch on it. But here's, the, here's the, the reality of it. There was pain. But he went through that pain for a reason because he knew there was joy going to be at the end of it. You know what the joy was? It was you. Because when he was doing it, he could see your face. He could see my face. It was for a reason. And you're the reason. He did it so that he could open up a way so that, so that you and me could not just sit here today, but could um, have a life that's so, so much better than anything that this world has to offer. And it's not, it's not like you're not going to have problems. You're going to have trouble. You're going to be loads of things going to happen. Every single one of us, Jesus said that we're going to have to pick up our own cross and carry it every day if, if we want to follow him. And like your cross may not be one of these. It may not be a physical death like he experienced or a torture or anything like that. Your cross might be that you haven't got a job or that you have got a job. Whichever, do you know what I mean? It, it might be that you're single. Then again, it could be that you're married. I mean, if you're going home, don't go. I found out what my cross was today, right? It could be anything. It could be absolutely anything. It could be like a financial problem. It could be that you don't have any money. It could be that you feel sick. That you're some kind of illness that just keeps grabbing you. And every time you even think you have a bet, it comes back and gets you again. It could be loneliness. It could be a kid that's wrecking your head. Are all the kids there on Sunday school? Great. It could be a kid that's wrecking your head. Yeah? It could be a neighbor. Ever see them programs on telly, neighbors from hell? I mean, neighbors. Like, they would be across, wouldn't they? And here's the thing. When you're in the middle of all of that, the world can seem real dark. It can seem real, real dark. And it can seem like there's no hope. Or even if there's hope, it's like it's not even Bob hope, it's little hope. It's tiny. You know when you're in that place and you think there's no light at the end of the tunnel and then you see a light and you realize it's a train and it's like, this is not fun. It's just not going to get any better. But it will. 
and it can and it does. And that's the bit about it. See, when we're stressed or when we're loads of pain or whether we're feeling lost or even like Jesus must have felt betrayal. Whatever it is. Maybe right now, part or all of your life just feels like Crucifixion Friday. That it's just like there's a mess and I can't see a way out of it. There's a pain and I can't see a fix for it. Just whatever. Just want to ask you to watch this video for a second. We can get caught up in that pain. We can get caught up in that loss. We can get caught up in the struggle, whatever it is. And there's massive struggles. Let's be realistic about it. I don't care what age you are. Whether you're 16, 12, 70. Life always has something. Always. And we can get caught up in it. There's a happy. Do you hear the happy? In case you're thinking you're hearing things. It's a happy for a reason. I'm going to read something to you. Early in the morning, on the first day of the week while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. And she ran at once to Simon Peter and the other apostle, the one Jesus loved, breathlessly panting. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb, and they ran neck and neck. And the other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, and observed the linen cloths lying there. And the cloth used to cover his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who had gotten there first, he went into the tomb and took one look at the entrance, at the evidence, and he believed. No one yet knew from the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The disciples then went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she knelt into the tomb and she saw two angels sitting there dressed in white, one at the head and the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. And after she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. I want you to remember that for a minute. She didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her and said, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And thinking she was the gardener, she said, Master, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. And Jesus said, Mary. And turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabbani, meaning teacher. And Jesus said, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples. I saw the master, and she told them everything he had said to her. And later on that day, the disciples gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, they locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. And then he showed him his hands and his side. And the disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were convinced. And they were exuberant. And Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. And he took a deep breath and breathed it into them. 
Receive the Holy Spirit, he said, and if you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. But if you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples told them, we saw the master. But he said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands and put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. And eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the locked doors and stood among them and said, Peace to you. This was eight days later. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. And Thomas said, My master and my God. And Jesus said, So you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. See, I think sometimes we forget they didn't have the book. They didn't get the end of the story. They just got, they lived through it. Ever watch a really good film that you don't know the end for? And you're there and your man's dead and you're going, oh, we're watching The Good Wife. Anyone watch The Good Wife? Anybody watching up before season five at the minute? Spoiler alert. Will does. Devastated. But he doesn't come back. Anyone here old enough to remember when Bobby died in Dallas? But he came back. There was a bit of a Jesus thing going on there. A year later. One of them had a dream. I can't remember if it was him or who that was there, but someone came back. When you're living it, it's different to when you can read the book and go, oh yeah, Good Friday happened, but Resurrection Sunday. Thomas was living the reality of not knowing. And even though other people were telling him, he still wasn't convinced. They were living in the loss. Thomas was living in the loss. And he was living in the pain. And do you know what? Because of that, he nearly missed the resurrection. He nearly missed it. We see Jesus' heart was beaten. It was back. And it was beaten with love. And it was beaten with power. And it was beaten with mercy. And it was beaten with grace. And Jesus didn't let Thomas miss the resurrection. He went after him. And he made it his business to prove to him that there was a resurrection. And I was thinking when I was putting this together that 26 years ago, Jesus did that for me because I didn't believe. I didn't believe there was a God, never mind that there was a Jesus that, that came to earth. Or I was much more into that if there was anything, they were spacemen. They'd come traveling sometime and left something here, I don't know what. Star Trek was much more believable to me than a Bible. But I was introduced to this idea of Christianity and a Jesus, and I'd been brought up with the stories, but they had no power. They had no life-changing stuff for me. They had no life-changing stuff for my family. They were just stories. And it was a ritual that we did every week until we were old enough not to do the ritual anymore. And we didn't have to. But I got introduced to this idea that Jesus was real and that there was power in it and there was life-changing stuff in it. And I met people like Thomas who kept telling me, I've seen Jesus. I met Jesus. He's different. And I was going, nah, suckers. Don't believe you. 
And they were going, no, I'm telling you, we've seen him. He's done things. He's changed things. It's different. And I go, nah. And I remember one time, um, I, was brought, I wasn't brought, I, I went to a dinner in a church and uh, then I went back to visit this church and they gave me a book and I read this book. And in the book, there was this preacher guy and he put it up to God basically because he wanted God to prove that he wanted him to do something. And in Christian circles, there's a thing called putting a fleece before God and it comes from a story in the Old Testament about a guy called Gideon. And anyway, so thinking where I'm coming from, I didn't even believe God was real for a start. But I just thought this guy had some neck putting her up to God. And I thought going in, I went, I visited this church maybe three or four times. And I'd read this book in between and it was on the 21st of December, 1989. Nearly 26 and a half years ago. And I went in this Sunday morning and driving down along the canal in a blue Mazda 323, for any of you that are old enough to know what that car even is, and it was a heap, a banger of a thing, it would never have passed the NCT, can I tell you? Never. <laughs> right? You could nearly see the road going by in the floor. But anyway, I said, God, if you're real, you need to prove it to me. You know what I loved about Thomas? He wanted two things. He didn't settle for one. He wanted to see the hands and he wanted to see the side. I didn't even know this stuff then. But I said, I, I want two things to happen in here today, God, or I'm never coming back again. And I went in and when I used to go to this church, it was in Pierce Street. It was a big church. It was a couple of hundred people went and I used to sit at the back on my own. No one ever sat with me. I, know if, I knew a few people who were going to the church. I had actually got a brother who was going to the church at the time and his wife. Um, they were more skeptical than me. And there was this man and this couple, Paddy Keegan, who we knew to a business. They'd introduced us to it. And I said, I want someone. Going in, I had said, I want someone to sit and explain to me what's going on in this church. Because I have to say, what we do now is very kind of respectable. This was a circus. It was a no-case asylum. But it was great crack, but it was a no-case asylum. And I couldn't understand. The preacher was American. He had this Oklahoma accent that I nearly needed subtitles for. And I didn't know what was going on. And it went on for two and a half hours nearly. All right? So it was like... But there was something very attractive about it. And anyways, I said I wanted someone to sit with me and explain what was going on. And the second thing I wanted was an altar call. I didn't even know what it was. True as God, I read it in the book. Sounded like it was cool. I'll have one of them. Okay. So anyways, I go in. I'm sitting down in my usual spot at the back, minding my own business. Paddy Keegan walks over and sits beside me. Not too unusual. It was just after Christmas. We were both in the similar business. We were sitting talking about how are we going to try and make a few bob in January. So comes the music starts. Never on time, can I tell you. It was supposed to start at half ten. This was at about quarter to eleven. Never started on time. Anyway, Paddy doesn't move. And I said to him, you're not going back over to Paul and your wife? And he'd gone, no. I said, you know what I was thinking? I said it to Paul in the last time you were here. I said, if, if Brian comes in again, I'm going to sit with him and explain to him what's going on, because he looks a bit lost. I'd love to tell you, only this has been recorded, and I'll tell you what I actually said, but it wasn't very Christian. Let's put it that way, all right? It was more like, holy, sh- you've got to be kidding me. 
And at that moment, here's what I said. I'm glad I asked for two things, because that's some coincidence. You know, I'd been in that church six times. I had never been in altar call. Guess what happened that day? At the end, Gary, the guy I couldn't understand, says, I want to give an altar call for anyone who wants to commit their life to Christ. And I walked up the front because I had made a bet. And I come from Crumlin, and if you make a bet in Crumlin, you weren't allowed Welsh on it because it was just too painful. They got you. So I made a bet with God, and he, he backed it up. So I had to do my bit and pay my end. So I walked up. I haven't got a clue what I was doing. I met another man called Jimmy Goff from Limerick, who I couldn't understand the word out of his mouth either. So he talked to me, and he said, I'm going to pray. You pray. I prayed. He prayed. I walked down and thought, what was that all about? There was no goosebumps. There was no great emotional thing. And I'd read these stories in the book and all, and it sounded like amazing. I didn't get any of that. But something changed because I found out God was real. And I found out that not only was he real, but that he heard me. In the midst, and I wasn't in a desperate place. We were married, we had two kids, we were relatively happy, we had the same crap everyone has. But it wasn't desperate. Actually, we were technically homeless, but still it wasn't desperate. We had a bed. We had somewhere to live. But Jesus changed something inside me that day. And he brought me on a journey that 26 years later has still had its sorrows, has still had its problems, but has had amazing adventure. Absolutely amazing adventure. I have seen and been and done things I would never have dreamed possible. Never. And all because Jesus wasn't afraid to prove he was real. See, I had loss. I had pain. I had all the stuff that I'm guessing you have. Because I'm figuring some of you are here and you have loss and you have pain. Maybe even betrayal. Maybe loneliness. Maybe, like earlier, one of the crosses you're carrying is your fella or your girl or whatever. Right? And maybe you're caught in that crucifixion Friday stuff. But I want to tell you today, today is Resurrection Sunday. Today is the day. Today is the day we're going to celebrate. Today is the day that we declare that Jesus is alive. And if he's alive, and if that heartbeat is for real, and that's his heartbeat, that heartbeat is calling out your name. That heartbeat is saying, I died, but I got back up again so that you don't have to. So that you don't have to live a life that's full of pain and full of crap and full of boring life, surviving. But you can live a life of adventure. You can live a life full. You can live abundant life. And then at the end of it all, you can die and go to heaven. Come on, where's the loss? What have we, what have we got to lose? See, Jesus bet debt. Before you got here this morning, someone was walking around this place singing an old song that we used to sing, saying, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where's your victory? If Jesus bet that, well, then it's bet. You don't have to beat it again. It's already bet. He bet sickness. He bet poverty. He bet pain. He bet loss. 
He bet whatever it is that's wrecking your life and wrecking your head so that you can say, you know what, I was crucified yesterday. I was crucified last week. I was crucified last month, last year. I've been crucified every single day. But today, this morning, today, this is Resurrection Sunday. You know what, today I might be poor, but I'm not going to be poor forever. Today I might be sick, but I'm not going to be sick forever. Today my kids might be wrecking my head, but they're not going to wreck my head forever. They're going to wreck someone else's head. Right? Today I might be alone, but I'm not going to be alone forever. Today I might be in pain, but I'm not going to be in pain forever. Today I might be addicted, but I'm not going to be addicted forever. I might be worried or stressed, but I'm not going to be worried and stressed forever. Today is new lifetime. It's celebration time. You all got given something coming in the door. It's party popper time. Let's have a party. Pop your poppers. God, don't tell me you put them in your bag to bring them home. You're allowed pop a popper. It's a party. That's it. Anyone who didn't get a popper, we give you one on the way home. We definitely should have had enough for everyone. Let me finish with this. There's a few poppers for you. So I want to ask you, please never, ever forget that Jesus taught you're not supposed to do it into your face. That's not a good idea. You're supposed to point at someone else's face. No, you're not supposed to do it either. I want to ask you something, please do not forget that Jesus thought that you were important enough to go to the cross for. See, because he wanted you to know he loved you. And I want to say, if you're here and you have self-esteem issues, or you have self-worth issues, or you have any of those kind of issues that's telling you, I am less than, or I'm no good, or I'm not worth, or whatever, it's crap. It's rubbish, and it lies. You are worth the Son of God going to a cross for. You're worth somebody. Even if you don't want to believe Jesus was God, you are worth someone who said, you're worth going to the cross for. A man who we believe was fully God and fully man, but a man went and died a death so that you don't have to. So I don't have to. So we can have a life full of adventure. We can have a life full of crack August Carol, as you said earlier on for the old folks. Yeah? See, if you have self-esteem issues, that should resolve it. It's not going to sort it. You're still going to have to process stuff and walk through stuff. And whatever your man, dad did to you that made you the way you are, so be it. I had it done to me and I did it to me kids. You get the counsel and you get over it. All right? You move on. You have to. But here's the thing. Jesus wants you to know that no matter what anyone in this world has told you, he's telling you, you're worth it. Never mind L'Oreal. Jesus says you're worth it. You are loved, you are wanted, you are important, you are unique, you are talented, you are gifted, and you are wonderfully made in the image of God. You are amazing. And you are the apple of God's eye. The apple of God's eye. You are the joy of Jesus. The joy that was set before him was your name and your face. But the question I have is, is he the apple of your eye?
Do you know him even? Or are you like me? It was meeting people going, this Jesus guy is brilliant. He came back from the dead. He's doing this, this, and this. And I go, nah, don't think so. Or are you like Thomas saying, yeah, when I stick my finger in the side, then I'll believe it. Do you need proof? He's not afraid to give you proof. The question is, are you afraid to ask? See, here's the thing. There's loads of people sitting in this room that are proof. We've experienced it. There's people in this room that have been set free from addiction. People in this room that have been set free from poverty, set free from illness, set free from sickness, set free from bad relationships, all kinds of things. There's people in this room who have seen God intervene in ways that Listen, you want to know about a miracle? You're sitting in one. We shouldn't have this place. We shouldn't. We shouldn't be here. This is a pure miracle. How we've even paid the rent for the last five months is a miracle. Because we don't even take up collections. Come on, how realistic is that? Look, it's a miracle. If you don't think this is a miracle. God's not afraid to prove to you he's real. Are you brave enough to ask him? But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples told him, we saw the master. But he said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands and put my finger in the nail holes, and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the locked doors, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. You know, I believe with all my heart to someone sitting in this room and your heart is beating in your chest. Because Jesus is looking at you. And Thomas said, my master and my God. And Jesus said, so you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even greater blessings are in stores for those who believe without seeing. I want to tell you something. I didn't believe without seeing. And I have seen awesome blessings. There's days I wish I had believed without, without sin because I wonder what I would have got. What better blessings there could have been. But there's no better blessing than having it. There really isn't. Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs that are written down in this book. They're written down so you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and in the act of believing, have real and eternal life in the way he personally revealed it. I can't finish this without giving you an opportunity, the same opportunity that was given to me that day. In Christian language, they call it an altar call. I want to call it an introduction. I want to say, if you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about, I want today to be the day that you can get a chance to be introduced to him. 
So I'm going to ask everyone in this room for a minute, just close your eyes. I won't dip your bags, I promise. You'll hear me walk, and these shoes are too loud. I can't tiptoe. Now, we'll have cheats who won't close their eyes. I know that, because there's always cheats. But I'm going to ask you to respect the others and just close your eyes for a minute. I want to say to you, if you want to meet this Jesus, just put your hand up in the air for two seconds. Lovely. I'm going to say a prayer, a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to say it with me. I'm going to ask everybody to say it with me. So then it's not just the people who put their hands up. I'm just going to say, Jesus. Yeah, you just can say it after me. Jesus. This is the bit you do. Okay. Jesus. Today I want to believe that you are real. Today I want to have this resurrection become reality for me. So today, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I want to take all I've got and I want to swap it for all you have. Today I want to accept that you died on a cross and rose again so that I could have life and I could have a future. Today, Jesus, I say thanks. And I want to commit that for the rest of my days I am going to do my best to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today and you've never um, made that commitment, that you have entered into something new. It's like walking off this step onto that step. And while I walked out of that church that day and didn't feel anything different, I had entered from one world into another. I had made a decision that was going to affect my future and the rest of my life. And I believe that you have today done that same thing. So we're going to finish with a song. You are off the hook, lads. Dan is a sour trout. Give him a round of applause again, will you? Because they've done a great job. Um, Kathy was to be up singing with them this week, but they couldn't even rehearse, so we dragged John away, and God love him for the help. But I uh, really appreciate his coming, guys, and, uh, and leading us in that time. We're going to finish with a song on the screen. Um, and if anybody in this room has any kind of needs that you need prayer for, please don't leave without one of us praying with you. Because we believe our God does miracles. We believe he can change things. Even, even change things that, that don't make sense. Actually, he does the stuff that doesn't make sense best. That's, that's my experience of it anyway. It's like, he's done stuff that I thought, Jabez, if it is, how you done that? I'd have prayed for it. I would like, I'd never think he would. But he does it. So please don't leave. You came in here with a monkey on your back, leave the monkey here. Now, if your monkey is a child, bring the child home with you. <laughs> I just see the kids coming in, I'm reminded of that one, okay. We're not, we're not taking donations to children, okay? They can go home with you. I think they all have an Easter egg, so they should be okay for the next couple of minutes. I'm trying to count the kids. I knew how many eggs we had. Have we any left? Yeah, we're good. We have a few left over. Oh, no, we haven't. They're all gone. Okay. Anyway, listen. I want to say happy Easter. Have an amazing Sunday. Like Shane said earlier on, this weekend, 
we are celebrating the 1916, but you know what? This weekend we're celebrating what happened 2,000 years ago. Yeah? Which is much more important. And it's going to affect us forever. So the Lord bless you and keep you. May you have an amazing Easter. May you have an amazing week. And just be blessed this week. Be blessed in knowing that Jesus loves you, knows who you are, and has a plan and a future for you. Amen. We'll watch this video. Sing along. And then there'll be tea and coffee and cakes. Renee made loads of cakes. Get out there quick.